Welcome to the podcast arm of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar People's Parish, based in Regina, Canada. Our mandate is pursuing His purpose, pronouncing His power, and proclaiming His praise. You can subscribe to our podcast channel today, so you never miss an episode of our podcasts. Be blessed by this teaching. In the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. By the grace of God, I'll be speaking on the subject, what it takes to walk in the light. It's not just enough to be called out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's also important for us to walk in that light. What does it take to walk in that light? Because there are people who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, but they are not walking in the light. And so, what does it take, and how do I go about walking in the light? Shall we pray? Father, we give you glory and praise as we celebrate 10 years of supernatural ministry of Peculiar People's Parish. Thank you for your loving kindnesses and tender mercies. Thank you for how you have helped them, how you have supported them, how you have stood with them. Thank you for victories that have been won, battles that have been fought, but above everything, thank you for the victory. For today, they still stand as a legacy of your faithfulness, as a legacy of the fact that you say things and you bring them to pass. Lord, we give you glory and praise today. As we mingle our voices in praise and prayer in worship and adoration to your name, we ask that we'll be blessed, we'll be impacted, we'll be motivated, we'll be challenged, we'll be inspired to live our life in the realm in which you have called us out of darkness to live. And so help us, Father. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. Shine the light of your word into our hearts and help us by transforming, transforming us with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit so that you, we all can live as we ought to live. Lord, anoint me to stand in the area of my office and minister according to the ability that you give. I will give you the glory and praise at the end of the day for the blessings will be ours, but the glory will be yours. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As a child of God, you are connected to God in four different ways and at four different levels. You need to understand this connection that you have with God. As a child of God, you are not on your own. You are connected to God in four different ways. The first way in which we are connected to God is that we have a relationship with God. He is our father. He is our creator. We are his creature and we are his children. Matthew 6, 9 says, After this manner, therefore pray our father. So that is the first connection. We have a relationship with him. Jesus was speaking in John 20, verse 17. He said, I go to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Luke chapter 6, verse 36 says, Be ye therefore merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. So the first way we are connected to God is that we have a relationship. He is our father. He is our creator. 
we are his children and we are his creature. That is what the Bible tells us. So you are connected to God. I have connection. When people say, do you have connection? I said, yes, I have connection. And the connection I have is I have connection with the Father. And that is a very important connection that anyone needs in life. If you are going to go far, if you are going to be successful, if you are going to be effective, this connection is vital. But beyond that, there is a second way in which we are connected to God, and that is not only do we have a relationship with him, but we also have fellowship, fellowship with him. You know, it is not just enough to have a relationship like husband and wife. It's important for you to have fellowship. Any relationship that is not fostered by fellowship will crumble. It won't go far. So what is fellowship? Fellowship is that which people in a relationship share with one another. So you and I are not just supposed to be Christians, as it were. You are also supposed to be effective and efficient Christians by graduating from relationship to fellowship. This is very important. The word of God says in 1 Corinthians 1.9, Paul speaking says, he said, God have invited, has called us into a fellowship with his son. And by the time you read upward part of the scripture, I read 1 John chapter 1, you read verse 3, it says that which we have seen and had declare we unto thee, that we, we also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So fellowship is what people in a relationship share. It defines the communication and communion that goes on between or among people who are in a relationship. Now, you and I, members of this church, you have a relationship. And that is, you are members of this church. But you should not just be members of this church, you also need to have fellowship. When we come here to fellowship, there are three kinds of fellowship we are involved in. One is to fellowship with the Father as an individual. One is to fellowship with the brethren. In other words, when you finish the service, you go out around shaking some hands, hugging some necks, and saying a few things to each other. That's fellowship. It's koinonia. And it's a beautiful aspect of fellowship. Then the third one is when we all together fellowship with the Father, either in worship, in praise, in prayer, in adoration, or whatever we do. So we are not just connected to God in terms of relationship. We are also connected to God in terms of having fellowship. You and I have more than a relationship with him. We have fellowship, or what we call comradeship with the Father. God loves our fellowship. He loves to see us. He loves to talk to us. He loves to engage us. And you and I should also love to communicate and to have a time with him. That is vital. Number three, we are also connected to God, not just by having a relationship, not just by having fellowship, but we are also connected to God because we are partners. We are partners. We are partners. What, who is a partner? A partner is one who joins or takes part in an activity with another one, another person, in order to achieve a purpose. That's where a partner is. Someone who takes part in, with you in an activity for the purpose of having a particular kind of result. So we are partners. The word of God calls us in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, he said we are co-laborers. We are co-laborers. Does not mean that all of, all of us do the same thing. God does the major part of the work that needs to be done, 
and you and I do the bit that we can do. There is something that only God can do, and there are certain things that only you can do. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 says, We are all workers together with Him. You know, there is a kind of partnership. Only God can save the world, but God cannot save the world alone. Christ is the head, we are the body. And so the head alone cannot get the job done. It takes the body. Cooperation with the head. And so you and I have a partnership with him. Jesus Christ came here and also told us about the partnership that existed between him and the Father. He said in John 5, 17, he said, My father walketh hitherto, and I walk. And First John chapter 4, 17 talks about our partnership with him. He said, As he is in heaven, so are we here on the earth. John 15 verse 5, still talking about that partnership, says, Without me, you can do nothing. Okay? And that is why you and I can boast ourselves and say, I can do all things through Christ. Now, that is partnership. So, you are not just connected to God in terms of relationship. You are not just connected to God in terms of fellowship. But you are also connected to God in terms of partnership. So, you have to see yourself as a partner. You and I, according to 2 Corinthians 5.20, are called ambassadors of God, ambassadors of Christ. An ambassador is someone who is sent to another country to represent the country of his origin. And you and I are in this world, but we are not of this world. Jesus said it in John 17 verse 14, John 17 16. He said, I am not of this world, even as you are not of this world. So he has sent us to this world. And we need to always remember we have a home government to whom we will report. And eventually, we are going to have to go back to, to give an account of ourselves while we are here. Romans 14, 12 said, we shall all give an account of ourselves to God. So number four, connection that you and I have to, with, with, with God is that we are not just, you don't just have a relationship. We don't just have a fellowship. We don't just have a partnership. But we are also referred to as friends. You know, we sing that song, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Now, who is a friend? And this is the level at which you and I need to understand the importance of being intimate with God. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so that you and him might be friends. That's what the scripture here is saying. Look at that. In verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sins. So it is one thing to be called out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's another thing to walk in the light. Amos 3, 3 say, can two walk together except they be agreed. So God have always been known to have uh, this intimate friendship with people. In the days of Abraham, he was referred to as God's friend. If you read Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, you read 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7, you read James chapter 2, verse 23, Abraham was referred to as the friend of God. In the days of Moses, Moses was referred to as God's friend. In Exodus, we are told in Exodus 33, verse 14, he says, Moses and God speak face to face. 
And in the book of Numbers, chapter 12, verse 8, it says, Moses and God speak mouth to mouth. Now, those idioms, face to face and mouth to mouth, are idioms that is used to describe friendship. In uh, Hebrew, the word friend is what Aheb, A-H-E-B. We mean someone you know and someone you like. You know, some of us, when we know people, we don't like them anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but if you're a friend, the more you know your friend, the more you like him for his uniqueness. You know, that is who a friend is. Someone who knows you but likes you. A friend is also someone that you are familiar with. Your friend is someone, the Hebrew says, that you breathe after. You long after. You desire to be with them. You desire to keep their company. You desire to be around them. That is the Hebrew definition of who a friend is. So God does not just have friends. When Jesus Christ came, he had human friends. You know, he had human friends. You cannot take advantage of the fullness of the marvelous light until you walk in it, until you live in it, until you have your being in it. And I'm sharing with you what it takes for you as it were to enjoy the fullness of what the marvelous light has to offer you. Today, we don't emphasize Christianity as a lifestyle. We don't emphasize Christianity as a lifestyle. We emphasize Christianity and replace it with churchianity. Churchianity and Christianity are two different things. Churchianity means to observe a ritual of coming to a place of worship. Christianity is to live the life of Christ, to live the way Christ lived. Luke chapter 6, verse 40, disciple cannot be greater than his master. He that shall be perfect shall be like his master. So that is what it's about. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We have been called forth to show forth the presence of him. Show forth the presence of him, which means to shine. You know, but how can we shine except we shine by the power of the light that he has given us? You know, the scripture says in Isaiah 60, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus Christ preaching the first message, known as the Sermon on the Mount, a total of 111 verses. And uh, he, he, used, he, he was looking at them in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. Then he said in verse 16, let your light so shine. You know, you are the light, but the question is, are you shining? If you are not shining, I'm trying to let you know that we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light with the intention of walking in the light, and when we walk in the light, we will be able to shine. You see, you cannot shine just because you are called out of darkness. There are many Christians who are not shining in their place of work, in school, on their streets, in the life of their friends. You know, people can still be their friends and walk in darkness. If you are a bright and a shining light, people cannot walk with you and be in darkness. Jesus says, for as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. John 8, 12, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness at all. He shall have the light of life. But I'm trying to let you understand that the reason why you are not shining and people who are walking with you are walking in darkness, despite the fact that you have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, is because you have not done the most important thing, which I'm going to be focusing on as I share the word today. God wants you and him to be friends. He does not just want you and him 
to be father and son. He does not just want you and him to be creator and creature. He doesn't just want you and him to fellowship once a week. He doesn't just want you and him to be partners, to get the soul saved, to get the work of done, God done. He wants you to graduate to the level of friendship. And Jesus Christ made this very clear when he came. You know, he had friends. Jesus Christ had friends. In John 11, 11, he said, our friend, Lazarus, is sleeping. And I go to wake him up. And the apostles did not understand it because divinity have never been the friend of humanity. But you see, this is possible if you and I will do the right thing. Friendship between divinity and humanity is not, is not recent. It's there in God's time. Enoch, called the friend of God. When God made Adam, he came down in the cool of the day to have a friendship kind of time with him. And when Jesus Christ came here, he had friends. Mark chapter 3, verse 21 said there were certain friends. Matthew eleven nineteen said he was a friend of publicans. He was a friend of sinners. And then Jesus said something. In, um, in, uh, in um, John 15, from verse 13 to 14, he repeated that word three times, the word friend. In verse 13, he says, Greater love has this than this has no man, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. You see, it's one thing for you to know that I'm born again. It's another thing for you to graduate to the front where you discover and look at yourself as God's friend. We sing this song, but we sing it in a detached manner. We just sing it like, well, it's just a song. No, it's a call and a commitment to friendship. Verse 14, what did Jesus say? He said, you are my friends if you do whatever I tell you to do. And then in verse 14, 15, he looked at the apostles. He said, I call you no longer servants. You see, Christianity does not make servants. That's the only religion that does not make servants. You know, other religions, if it's Islam, it makes servants. Where I come from, they say, ah, he's a servant of God. He's a slave of God. But Christianity made friends. Whoever you can talk to God. Hebrews 4, 16. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace, that you may receive grace and firm mercy. To help in the time of need. You and I can call him father. You and I can call him friend. You and I can call him co-laborer. You and I can call him workers together. But above everything, he wants us to be friends. So he looked at his apostles. And he said, I call you no longer servants, but friends. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. He said, but I have revealed everything that I'm doing to you. He says... You are my friend. He, he let them understand. He broke down the middle wall of partition of religion. Religion says, well, you know, there is a gulf between you and God. But Jesus said, I came to be a bridge between you and divinity. Whereby you and I can have intimate friendship. So the, let me quickly say some things here. What kind of a friend is God? What kind of a friend? In what way can we look at God as a friend? What kind of a friend is God? Number one, God is the best definition of who a truth or a friend is. The best definition of a friend. Best definition of a friend. I mean, he died to save me, to make me righteous. He was made sin. He became weak to make me strong. He went to heaven. He went to hell to take me to heaven. So he's the best definition of a friend. I have a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. That was a hymn, very old hymn. 
I have a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's the lily of the valley, the bright morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000. A wonderful song, you know. So he's the best definition of a friend. Number two, what kind of a friend? is a true friend. You and I have had friends that betrayed. Judah was supposed to be a friend. A scripture in Psalm 41, 19 talked about Judas being a familiar friend to Jesus who eventually betrayed him. A true friend is someone who will never desert us. A true friend is someone who will always have time for us. If someone calls you their friend and they do not have time for you, wow, that's so unfortunate. So he's the best definition of the best friend is the best definition of a true friend. A true friend will never desert. A true friend will always have time for us. A true friend is willing to give more than they receive. That's a true friend. He's willing to give more than they receive. You give God something, he takes it, multiplies it, good measure, press down, shake it together, run it over and he gives it to you. That's the kind of friend that God is. Whatever you give to him, he multiplies. A 34, 64, 100 fold. What is another definition of a true friend? A true friend, he will never desert you. He will never, he will never, he will always have time for you. He is willing to give you more than you receive. Number three, another type of friend that God is, unchanged and unchanging friend. No matter what your situation is, that does not change your friendship. You are there on the top, he's a friend. You are there in the low of the valley, he's a friend. On the mountain, in the valley, I mean, he's there. So that's the kind of friend, unchanging friend. That's some of our friends. When they begin to make money, or they access power, they begin to change. But you see, the kind of friend you have is an unchanging friend. Reliable, dependable, trustworthy friend. Number four, the fourth kind of friend is, is a friend forever. There are friends for a reason. There are friends for a season. And there are friends who are there forever. All of us are hard friends for a reason. You know, you want to chase the girl, you first of all become friends. And when you chase her, she says, no, that's the end of the friendship. <laughs> and then there are friends for a season. Probably you belong to the same department. You are classmates. And once you graduate from school, you forget. But the kind of friend that God is, is a friend forever. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never disappoint you. That's the kind of friend he is. Number five, what kind of a friend is he? He is a tolerant friend. Tolerant friend. He's, when you snore, he tolerates you. Okay, when you are dirty, he tolerates you. There are some friends who not tolerate your snoring. I remember when we first of all got married, and my wife did not know that I snore. She just saw my beautiful face in church, you know, my very good lips, my wonderful appearance, and everything in place. The first night we married, I said, he said, ah, ah, he said, Kai, you know, in those days, it's not like the modern days when you live in the same room with a so-called person you are going to get married. In those days, you have to be far as the east is from the west. If you want to have a time of fellowship, you have to meet in a senior friend's house. That is where you meet because they, they believe that you both are animals and you have to be kept apart because if they are not kept apart, you will devour each other. You know? <laughs> but it tolerates you. You know, you are not up to it. He's ready to be there with you. you. You don't have those social skills. He tolerates it. 
You don't have that uh, kind of a meek and a quiet spirit. It tolerates you. I was telling my wife of 38 years recently. I said, I have tolerated you all these years. He said, ah, look at who is talking. He said, I'm the one who has tolerated you. <laughs> you know, both of us are amplifying our tolerance, but he has tolerated you with all your misgivings, with all your inabilities, with all your weaknesses, with all your inadequacies. That's the kind of friend. He has called you out of darkness into his light, but he wants you to walk in that light. He wants you to live in that light. And the only way to do it is when you cultivate your intimacy with God. That is how you walk in the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, because he's already there. He said we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ is sin, cleanseth us from all sins. I always tell people this. The greatest protection against satanic invasion in our lives is closeness to God. Intimacy with God. And that is one thing you must quickly look at your life again and again over for a, all, all the time. Two more things here. What kind of a friend is God? What kind of a friend is Jesus? He is a friend who knows us more than we know ourselves. You know, many of our friends know us. But they do not know us more than we know ourselves. To a great extent, your friends know you. They know what you can do. They know where you go. They know your taste. They know your appetite. They know your priorities. They know your preferences. But the friend we have in him knows us more than we know ourselves and more than we know him. Many Christians don't know God. They know about God. Knowing about God is so, is so, is so inadequate. You need to know God. But you see, God, what he does is that he knows you more than. Do you know there are some things you don't believe you can do, but he knows you can do them? And there are some things you believe you cannot do, and he knows you can do them. I remember one of our deacons, highly placed man in our church, lovely man, likes to do deliverance. And so one day they came and come and they said, sir, our deacon has beaten the wife. If you see the wife, it's like she has had a motor accident. I said, uh-uh. So I went to the hospital and the man was standing like this, very sober. So I said, man of God, what happened? He said, I don't know. I don't know. And God said, he knows. He knows. He said, that man has anger in him. He has not curtailed it. He has it in him. He said, sincerely, I didn't want to beat her. She was just talking. He said, and my hand moved and connected to her face. He said, I brought it back. And the hand moved again and connected to her face. He said, ah. he said I thought I was humble, but I'm not humble. Now, but God knows us more than we know ourselves. And he knows us more than we know him. The Bible says in Isaiah 1.3, the ox knows his owner. The ass his master's creeps. But my people have not known me. And that is a problem in the body of Christ. John chapter 4 verse 22. He said, you worship, you know not what you worship. Many people worship God. But they don't know the God they are worshiping. So we are being called out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. We are being called from where we are to a relationship, to a fellowship, to a partnership, but most sincerely to a friendship. And you and I need to cultivate that friendship. The Bible said, he that has friends must show himself friendly. It's not just enough to have friends. You have to show yourself friendly. So one of the things you are going to have to do is you need to develop your intimacy with God. When I gave my life to Christ, 
I never actually stopped doing those things. It was no longer possible for me to do it because I was in the company of a friend. The relationship, fellowship, and partnership and friendship of what makes it impossible, as it were, for me to do those things. If two, if two work together, they have to agree. And that intimacy must be cultivated. As a child of God, I didn't just get born again. I was also interested in coming to the knowledge of the truth. And in doing that, I discovered I had to be close to God. I had to develop my friendship with God. I'm going to tell you reasons why we need to cultivate that friendship. But more than anything else, is for us to enjoy his marvelous light. Because if he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, you and I need to walk in that light and live a life that will allow us to get all the benefits there is to light. Light has a lot of benefits when you, when you are living in it. When you are moving in the light and you are walking in the light, there are a lot of things to be gained. But how do I? How do I now walk in it? And that is what I'm hammering on. And the last kind of friend he is, he is a friend who makes more friends for us. You know, most times, most of our friends don't want us to have other friends. You know, like your wife does not want you to like another woman. Even if there is nothing. You say, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. I was in a church service. One day I was preaching. And there was a man and a wife who was sitting very close to the front. And the man, his head will move like this. And the wife will get hold of the jaw. And bring it back to focus. And the man will laugh. <laughs> and we'll, the man will be looking straight. After a while, his jaw will begin to move again. And the wife will get hold of the joy again and bring it back to <laughs> you know most friends want to monopolize you most friends want you just to be there i've had pastors whom i come into their community to preach and because i came into the same community to preach for another church they stopped talking to me and i said why did you do that he says sir if you come to us come to us don't go anywhere else i said ah i said i'm a, I'm a father with so many children you can't change me from that. So, you see, but the kind of friend he is, is that he makes you have many friends. There are many friends you have today that is because of Christ. You met in Christ. I mean, you met along the streets. You probably did not know each other. But in Christ, there's a place where I come from. You know, I'm from one part of Nigeria that I call the Yoruba people. And there's a song we sing in Yoruba. I won't sing it. I'll sing it in Yoruba. If you know you have the gift of translation, please translate it. It says, Okay, 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 okay. Those of you with the gift of translation, translate. Translate to the person seated close to you. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, I met Pastor Laker in Christ. There are quite a number of people that I've met in Christ. I had, used to have so many friends, you know, but all things passed away, greeted them. And all, <laughs> and all things have become new. So, he's that kind of a friend, you know. And so, you and I need to understand that that is the fourth connection that you and I have with him. Now, why... Do we need friendship with God? Of what value and significance is friendship 
with God. I want to explain that because human beings, we are moral, we are, we are rational beings. If you want someone to do something, you need to tell them the reason why they need to do it. If you want them to give, you tell them the reason. If you want them to fast, you give them the reason. If you want them to read the Bible, you give them the reason. If you want them to sleep, you give them the reason. I had to develop reasons for sleeping when my children were growing up. I said, go and sleep. said, why? <laughs> so I had to get reasons for them to sleep. And then quote relevant scripture to support <laughs> what I was asking them to do. So, why should I be close to God? You see, let me say this. Whether you know it or not, one of the greatest desires of God is for us to be close to him. Greatest desire. Greatest longing. He wanted to be the father and his family. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 18. He said, behold, I am the children. The Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. God doesn't want us to be far from him. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.13, those who are far have been made near by the blood. Jesus Christ came to draw you and I close to him. That is what he wants us to be. He wants us to be a people near him. So quickly, what are the reasons and why should I seek intimacy with God? Number one, the first reason why you and I need to be intimate is because he created us to be close to him. When God was creating us, he created us in his image and after his likeness so that you and I or we as it were can be close to him. You are the only kind of being that are created in the class in which you are created. He formed man out of the dust of the earth and he breathed into man the breath of life and man became. So when God was making man, he made man to be close to him. When you were having children, let's say you, when you were having children, no one ever had planned to have children that would be far from them. You have children who are going to be close to you. You have children who are going to grow up in the house. You, you have children who are going to be intimate with you. Children you can share time with. You can share your good times. You can share your sorrowful times with. So the first reason why you and I need to be intimate is because in his creation, that was at the back of his mind. He made us in his class. In Genesis, and Genesis 3 shows us this, that he will come down in the cool of the day and have a good time with the man that he had made. So you and I need to cultivate our intimacy with God because that was his purpose. It was uppermost in his mind when he was creating us. And so we should not frustrate this intention of God. We should not walk contrary to this intention. We should do everything to serve that all-important purpose that was in his mind when he created us. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, but there was no darkness when he made man. When he made man, you and I, we are created to have time with him. He will come down and have good time with Adam until sin came. So the first reason is because we are created for intimacy. We are created for intimacy. The best thing you can do for people is to be there for them. When you are there for people, it's more than silver or gold. When you are close to people, it breaks the chain of certain forces in their lives. When light shows up, darkness disappears. John 1.9 says, 
This is the true light that lighteth everyone that come to this world. Psalm 36 verse 9 says, For with thee, O Lord, is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Number two reason why we need to be close to God is because after the fall, he paid the supreme price to have the intimacy restored. You know, he drove man out of the garden. And so there was a bridge between man and him. That intimacy was broken. There was separation. Dark, I mean, darkness because of man's sin is a purer eyes that to behold iniquity and cannot look on sin. So that created an, a, a, a gulf between us and him. And he had to become a man and die in our place to redeem us so that that intimacy can be restored. He paid the Lord to have our intimacy restored to him because sin caused a separation and God was so passionate and desirous to restore the intimacy with man. And so he worked intensely throughout time to bring humanity back to himself. So he spent so much to have the intimacy restored through Christ. Let me give you a good example. I went to California some years ago, and you know, in California, I had, a, I had so many children, ministry, and people that I led to Christ. And one of my sons, the last day, I'd finished preaching, I was on my way out, he said, ah, he said, Daddy, I'm just hearing that, uh, ah, that you are in town. I said, yeah, I said, and I have so many things to share with you. I said, look, I'm tired tonight. I'm going to sleep. I said, but there's one thing I can do. Are you doing anything tomorrow? Next tomorrow, he said, not, not really. I said, okay, I'm going to buy a ticket for you. And you're going to travel with me. And you're going to travel with me from LA down to Maryland. And I'm going to buy the ticket. And because I'm in first class, I'm going to pay, buy first class ticket for you. So you're going to sit next to me. We are going to book the seats together. And he was very happy. So I bought the first class ticket. And we were in the aircraft together. He was seated by me. And then he started ordering for all kind of food and drink. <laughs> and after eating all those food and drink, he now started dozing. I said, no, you cannot doze. You cannot doze. I said, the purpose of you being on this flight and flying in first class is because we want to talk. Now, I bought the ticket. You have eaten so much. You have been drinking so much. Now you want to sleep? I said, you can't sleep. Now, why was I resisting and sleeping? Because I paid the price. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God paid the price to call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he wants us to walk in that light. And so because of the price he paid, we should not overlook that. We should make his effort worth his while. We must make it worth his while by also making our own little effort to make sure we walk in the light as he is in the light. That's the second reason why you and I need to be intimate with God. The third reason why you and I need to be intimate with him is that intimacy and closeness with God feed our inner lives, which helps us to be strong as we ought to. Relationship builds, especially the right relationship. Iron sharpened iron. Second Corinthians 3.18 We all with open faces beholding us in a glass the glory of God we are changed from one level of glory to another level of glory. You see, when you are close 
to the right persons, it feeds your inner life. Just like evil communication corrupts. First Corinthians 15, 33. Evil communication corrupts good manners. You see, the nature of God that is in you needs to be fed. The nature of God that is in you needs to be strong and remain fresh. And the best way to make it happen is by closeness, not by coming to church. There are so many people who come to church but who are far from God. They come to church as a religious routine. But in terms of intimacy, they, they are not close. They don't walk in the light as he is in the light. He is already in the light. And by calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light, he gives us the invitation to walk in the light. How can we walk if we are far? You cannot walk in that light if you are far from him. And closeness with him has a way in which it reinforces the things in your life. If you see my sons in ministry who are close to me, you will see that whatever you see in me is what you see in them. No pride, no arrogance, not boasting of themselves, because you see what is born of the spirit is spirit, what is born of the flesh is flesh. When you are, you see, he that walketh with the wise, Proverbs 13, 20, he that walketh with the wise shall be wise. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. So we should be careful. That's why he said evil communication corrupt good manners. So the third reason why you need to be close is that closeness with him feeds your internal life with what you need to be strong. If you feel weak, it means that your intimacy has been compromised. You're not supposed to be weak. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That is what it does. When you are close to him, it feeds your inner life with what you need for you to be strong. Psalm 84 verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them is Zion as they appear before God. This is the golden object of Christianity. Closeness with him. Closeness with divinity. Jesus Christ said in a particular place, I and the Father, we are one. Wow. When I saw that, I said, wow. That's quite inspiring. And God wants you and I to be close to him the same way. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30 says, We are flesh of his flesh, and we are bone of his bone. Christ is the head. We are the body. But why is it that the body behaves in a different way from the way the head believes? Why is it that the body does not act the way the, body, the head acts? Because we are not walking in the light as we are, as he is in the light. So that's the third reason. Intimacy with him, we feed our inner lives, you know, uh, with things that are needed for us to be strong. Weakness is a result of distance from God. When you are far from God, you'll be weak. If you are a weak Christian, it means you are far from God. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, 29, he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increased strength. Anytime I felt weak, it's because I created a distance between myself and him. That's the third reason why we need to be intimate. The fourth reason why you and I need to be intimate with God is that intimacy with God fills us with his presence it fills us with his presence when you are intimate he is there isaiah 41 10 
Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. You see, anytime you are afraid, it means his presence is not there. Look at Psalm 23. You read from verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. He leadeth me beside still waters. Verse 3. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness. You see that said he, 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 he. Then verse 4. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. From verse 1 to 3, he was the one doing everything. And there was no problem. The first time man did something on his own, it was to go into the valley of the shadow of death. But he says, do I watch the valley of the shadow of death? And if you are no evil, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Which means even when I make mistakes and blunders, he's still there. Thy rod and staff, the company. Then he says, he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup run over. Then he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You see, when you are close to God, it gives you his presence. Let me give you a good example. I remember so many years ago as a little rascally boy on the street of Ufa. My brother, my senior brother, who is now a consultant, a cardiothoracic surgery surgeon, world repute cardiothoracic surgeon in USCH. He was a karate and judo expert. Black belt. So he will wear his judo outfit, you know, in the village. You do anything and do everything and get away with it. So he wears his karate and judo outfit on the street and be walking with his bare neck and will be almost naked on the street. And then we have a chain around him. And I, the little rascal boy, will go by his salad. <laughs> and when I see a little girl, I will go and touch her. And she run after me. And I will call my brother and stand. And my brother will say, mm. <laughs> and the, the little girl will run away. Now what I'm saying is this. You see, intimacy creates presence. There are some people you see there is an awe around them. There is an awe. Now that awe is something they got from being in his presence. They carry that awe-ness. Because when you are close to God, you know, you see some people, they just, I remember, you know, for so many years, I traveled with Ben City Dahusa. Because that was where I got ordained. That was the place where I grew up. As a young man in ministry, that was the way I learned. Many of the things I learned, and there are some things I also learned that I've never been able to do and will never do. Mm -hmm. So, I met a man known as T.L. Osborne, Tommy Lee Osborne. Very popular man, he's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's alive, but he's very old now. Whenever that man speaks, he doesn't shout. He was an expert in miracles. That was, he specialized in miracles. So one day they brought him a man madman with chains and they brought that madman and the madman came to him and they said please pray for this madman so that he can be healed now the way he did it was that he would close his eyes and then in very soft spoken words you see some people think the devil is deaf <laughs> so when they want to cast out come out 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 authority real authority doesn't speak like that he said i have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions when well, you see rich people they don't shout 
When you see powerful people, they don't shout. If you see a powerful man shouting, ah, Fejeron power, that's what he's using. So, so uh, this man will just, he, he just, he just look at this madman. He said, you foul spirit in the name of Jesus. I was looking, I stood by. You don't ready to bolt, you know. So you foul spirit in the name of Jesus, come out. And then whenever he prays, he closes his eyes to pray. And then he turns and goes. So that day he turned and he was going. And the madman followed him. Screaming, hey, hey, yo, wow. He didn't talk for a while. He was just going. After the madman was making so much noise, he turned and said, but I told you to leave him. And the man just fell to the ground and the demons left him. Now, I learned that day that authority is not a noisemaker. Empty barrels do what? Uh -huh. so, so when some people are shouting in the middle of the hey, hey! So, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. That's a low blow. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> now, that is what it's about. If you want his presence, if you want his presence, be close. When you are close, you are in the perimeter of his presence. You are in the arc of his power. When you are close, that's why the songwriter says, draw me close to you, never let me go. So, when you are close, you will have his presence. When people lose their head, you keep yours. When people are down to nothing, you know God is up to something. When people are downcast, you are standing up. When people say it can't be done, you are saying praise God, it's already done. Hallelujah! You can make noise now. You can make noise now. I'll give you the right. Number five. I'm going to round it in a few minutes. Number five. The fifth reason why this intimacy is very important is that intimacy will provide you with needed assistance in troubled times. How many of you know that if you get into big trouble, only those who are close with you will show up. If you get into big trouble. For God forbid if you kill someone. Those who will show up will be those who are close. You see that's why at times it's good for us to get into trouble. So that we know those who are really uh -huh. because some fear weather people they draw near with their mouth. Their heart is far. When they say the man has kissed us, I didn't even know him. I just saw him in church. I don't really remember him. You know, I, I'm not really that kind of a person. You know, you know? <laughs> intimacy would provide us with inner help. Psalm 22 verse 11. He said, be not far from me, O God, for trouble is near. Intimacy is good. You know, you see this man known as Peter in Acts 12. The Bible said he was put within 16 soldiers. And the plan was that after he started, he would bring him out and he would, they would kill him. But the Bible said that same night, he was asleep. Now, what can make a man sleep like that? I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is still on me. They trust their friend. You see, when you trust your friend, you can sleep despite, in spite, regardless of what is happening. So intimacy, what does it do? It makes assistance available in troubled times. So don't just be called into his light. Make sure you walk in the light. When you walk in the light, the light will give you assistance when you walk in darkness. 
When you walk in darkness, the light will shine. You know, the light will shine on your path. And that is so important. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One of the words that is used to describe this world is darkness cover the whole earth. And gross darkness the people. To navigate through this world, you need light. And the light that can shine is the light that is close to you. So it's important. Closeness is important because of what? It gives us needed assistance in troubled times. Be not far from you, God, for trouble is near. I, I Psalm 50 verse 14, he said, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will answer you. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. When Peter was walking on the water and he started sinking, he said, help! And Jesus was close by. He pulled him out. He, he didn't carry him. He put his feet on the water and they walked back into the boat. That is to let you know that. You see, instead of all these, uh, 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 all that prayer, God, help me, God, help me, God. No, you don't even need to help a friend. Who knows what you are going through? There's no need for you to begin to say, nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows my sorrow. He knows everything. Matthew 6, 8, the Lord knows what things you have need of before you ask him. But some of us cannot even ask him because we are not his friend. You only ask a friend to help you out when you are in trouble. When you do not have money, it's only a friend you can ask, to, you can ask for money. When you have a problem with your family, it's only a friend. A friend is described as someone that you can pour out everything that is in your heart and they will not condemn you because they are tolerant. That is the kind of friend. You can tell God anything. Let me give you a simple example. This afternoon, I lost the earpiece. I was telling the protocol guy who came to the room. I lost the earpiece of my, you know, my wireless phone, my Samsung board. I lost it in the room. Now, in the whole room, where will you look for an earpiece? It's tiny, like a little piece of knot. And I told the Lord, I said, you're the only one who knows where the thing is. Oh. I said, I can't even remember where I put it. I said, so God, look for it. Who can you talk to like that? Your friend. You can only talk to a friend like that. Go check that place out. I remember I called someone and said, go check something. I want a Bible. He said, I don't have transport fear. Now, that's not a friend. Even if he has, he has transport fear to go to other places. But when you are sending them to a place, they don't want to go. So I told the Lord this after. I said, I can't find it. I said, look, Lord, I'm not going to try to locate it. Because I don't see everywhere, but you see everywhere. You know where it is. So the guy who brought the food to the hotel, he said, uh, after a while he came, I said he was cooking, was take, I mean, taking care of the thing, washing the plates. Then suddenly he said, Daddy, this is your earpiece. He was one who saw I said, where did you see it? He said, somewhere on the ground, somewhere near the fridge. How did it fall off from my ear? Near the fridge. I didn't go to the fridge in a sleepy way. I always go when I'm normal, you know? <laughs> but you see, you see how God... Now, this is, you see, that is what is called light. It's only light that searches and reveals. I didn't know where it was. But because I was walking in the light as he's in the light, what did he do? He located it for me. So I got there and said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said, well, that's, this is one of the reasons why I'm in your life. To reveal secret things, okay? When things are secret, he brings them to the open. When I lost that thing, he located it for me. 
There was a time in my house, you know, it's very difficult at some time to live as a, a bachelor when you are in your 60s, you know. But I happened to find myself a bachelor during the COVID period. So one day in my confusion, you know, a bachelor who is now cooking, who has never cooked, is now cleaning, who has never cleaned. So I took the key of the house. For some reason, I didn't know where I kept it. I said, God, I don't know where the key to the house is. I cannot even imagine where it was. I, I, I said, Lord, go and look for it. I, I said, I don't know where it is. You are the only one who can locate it for me. And then they said to me, said, don't worry. So after about some minutes, I was watching TV. He said, then it came to me. I just had a feeling that I should take a slice of bread, you know, and my dream. So I went into the fridge and I opened the commandment where the my dream was. The key was there. How did the key, how did the key get into this place? I, I hope I'm not becoming Kenny. I, I didn't say anything. I said Kenny. <laughs> but you see, it's only how can I remember that I put in my absent-mindedness. I put the key. Where the margarine? What has margarine done to do with keys? But an old man. He is probably sleepy. You know, when you are even in the daylight, your eyes still dim, you know. And I put that key there. No. And several other things have happened like that. So that is why closeness, intimacy with him will shed light into so many areas of our lives. Let me give you three more or four more points here. Number six. Another thing that intimacy will do is that you provide divine guidance. Provide divine guidance. Some people say, I want to start ministry. I don't know how to start. I want to marry. I don't know how to go about it. I want to buy a house. I don't know how to go about it. Now, with the light and you walking in the light, there should be no darkness at all. Isaiah 30, 21 said, that shall hear the voice behind you saying... This is the way walking it. Jeremiah 6 16 says, Ask for the old path, which is the good way, and walk in it. Walk in it. So the point is this closeness with God guarantees divine guidance. It will reduce your painful mistakes and expensive blunders. When you are close to God, you don't marry the wrong person. When you are close to God, you don't choose the wrong career. When you are close to God, you don't go to certain places when the road is hungry. When you are close to God, these things don't happen. Because closeness with him guarantees you hearing from him. It guarantees him ordering your steps. Psalm 37 verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by God. And a delight in his ways. When you are close to him, guidance is not an issue. When should I retire? You will know. Who should I give money to? You will know. Where should I go? You will know. Psalm 119 verse 1 and 3 said, Order my steps in your word. Let no iniquity have dominion over me. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Don't let them depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto them that find it. And medicine to all their flesh. Keep therefore your heart without diligence. For out of them are the forces of life. You see many decisions we take in life. And we make mistakes. Financial mistakes. Some of us go into businesses. Without consulting him. And we lose money. Savings are lost. Some people have been known to commit suicide because of loss of money. Some of us are in abusive relationships. 
because you never allowed God to choose for you. You see, lack of closeness to God is one of the reasons why we do some of these things as if to say we are wise by ourselves. You didn't send yourself to this world. It was his own idea. It was God's idea. And if it is God's idea, he's one who exactly knows where you should go and what you should do with whatever you have. That is what it means to walk in the light. You don't choose these things for yourself. Psalm 47 verse 4. He said he will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob whom he loved. When you allow him to guide you, when you allow him to lead you, because he is light, you don't miss your steps. You don't go out of the way. You don't do things that will not make him happy. You don't go around with people that will not make your life appreciate. We took Swiss counsels together. Psalm 55 verse 14. He said we walk to the house of the Lord in company. God did not send to this world to be alone. And he has not left you to, to the dictates of your flesh or your feelings or your emotion. He wants to be there. It's one thing to be called out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's for you to walk in the light as he is in the light. When you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanseth us from all sins. The seventh reason why you and I, is it number seven now? Number seven reasons why you and I walk in, uh, close to God is that closeness or nearness to God is essential to the continuation and eventual completion of God's work in us. God started a work in you when you got saved. Philippians 1.6 He said, I'm confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you. But that work is not just supposed to be gone. It's supposed to be completed. It will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. One thing is to be saved is nothing to be safe. You are saved by giving your life to Christ. But you are safe if you walk in the light. If you don't walk in the light, despite the fact that you are born again, you will do the same kind of thing that sinners do. And God's work will not be able to be complete in your life. Romans 8, 9, whosoever does not have the spirit of Christ is none of his. Paul was speaking about the Galatian Christians, my little children, of whom I travail in birth until Christ be formed. The formation of Christ is the end of a process that happens when you walk with him. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds. Oh, ah, we have so many old Christians here. Old Christians. Oh, uh, is enough. Thank you. Choir members. <laughs> now, what a, look at that song. When you walk with the Lord in the light of his world, what a glory he shines on our path. When we do his will still, he abides with us. And what a difference it makes when we we'll walk and obey. So when you walk closely with him, he's able to finish the work we have started. Hebrews 13, 21 says, 
doing in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. The work of God is not done because you got saved. Because you got saved, the work of God starts. And he wants to finish it. I'm confident of the very thing that he has begun a good work in you. He shall perfect it. That's what we call the perfecting process. Matthew 5, 48. He said, be therefore perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But how does that happen? Psalm 139, verse 8. He said, the Lord will perfect all that concerns me. How does he perfect it? When you walk in the light. That is when he's able to do his work. Not just to feed your life with what you need for you to be strong, but to finish the work he started. You must be a finished product. You are not there yet. You are no longer who you used to be, but you are not yet. You are, not, you are no longer who you used to be, and you are not yet what you ought to be. You are going to be through a process. You and I must remember this. That we need to walk in the light. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we are going to have to walk in that light. And when you walk in the light, you, it's called maturity. You're not just supposed to be a child of God. You're supposed to be a son. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son. Many people remain children forever. In churches, the feeding bottle we gave the children who got born again 15 years ago, they have refused to return it. <laughs> so we don't have new bottles to give to the new ones who are getting saved. But some people have changed their feeding bottle from plastics to aluminum <laughs> because they have stayed permanently as children. That's why Paul said, My little children of whom I travel in bath until Christ be formed in you. Christ being formed in us is called maturity. You need the light for maturity. You need that glorious light, which is the image of God, to shine inside you to bring you to a place of maturity. Colossians 3.10 He said, he said, he said we, are, we are called, as it were, to be like him, to, to be like the person who created us. We are in need of knowledge, rather, after the image of him that created us. God formed us. Sin deformed us. School informed us. Jesus reformed us. The Holy Spirit transforms us. God who commanded light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. That light is necessary for maturity. And you and I must mature. We must get to where we are going. And you need light for maturity. Nothing get, you know, things grow in the dark. But there's something called photosynthesis. It's a product of darkness and light. Light has its own contribution to where you are going. Finally, we need to be close because God is asking for it. God is asking for closeness. There is a scripture we have read for so many years. Revelation 3.20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door 
and knock. What does that mean? It's a scripture we have used for sinners. Evangelistic crusade. See, someone is knocking at your door. Someone is knocking at your door. Oh, sinners, why don't you answer? Someone is knocking at your door. <laughs> but that scripture was not a scripture that described the world. It was a church being described there. What church? The last day church. The Laodiceans. Today I want you to look at me here. Christ is standing outside the door. You have shut the door in his face. He wants to come in. He said if any man will open, I will come in. He wants you and him to be closer than you have ever been. Today is the day that you open your heart and say, Jesus, I want you to be my friend. What a friend we have in. You know, we sing that song in those days when we are talking about sinners. But we forget that after being sinners and he saved us, he wants to be with us. So that where he is, there also you and I can be. God is asking you to draw close. Christianity is not observing do's and don'ts. Don't drink alcohol. Don't commit the sin of lucre. Don't commit the sin of torture. Don't commit the sin of lying. Christianity is more about what you do, not about what you don't do. It's about what you need to do. Say, draw near to God, James 4, 8, and he will, what? Draw near. Seeking God is never in vain. Loving God is not a wasted exercise. When you draw near to God, his presence full is spread all over your life. I've traveled all over the places. And wherever I get to, I have his presence. Someone said, have you ever felt bored? I said, never, never. You cannot have the presence of divinity and feel bored. Jesus said, I will not leave you alone. I will come back to you. He's back with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. But do you have room for him? Do you have room for him? Do you have room for him? My brother, my sister, to what extent are you close to him? To what extent does he have a place in your routine every single day? As we celebrate this anniversary, let this be a turning point. Make it a day like no other day when you're going to return to your first love. He loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 1.3 said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Why don't you reciprocate? Why don't you respond to him? He's asking that you and I Get back to him. Become close to him. When you study the Bible and you see the life of people that were close to God, you will see that they had this angelic presence. One day my wife and I slept in a house. Massive house. Big house that we built so many years ago. It's now an empty, empty nest. All the birds have flown away including us <laughs> you know what happened tonight there was an electrical spark and our curtain in the city room caught fire and started burning 
who are asleep in the upper part of the house. My wife and I and the three children and everyone who was living with us. No one else saw the fire. But the thing burnt and burnt and burnt. And when it got to the ceiling that is from P.O.P. that will have burnt and got in the wood and the whole house were got in the fire, the thing just stopped. We didn't know. We woke up in the morning, went about her every day until my wife just got into the situation and said, something is smelling here. I said, what is smelling? This is your nose. There's nothing to not smell. The, the smell on the street, you collect it and bring it inside the house. And then we, we looked at the, the window, the window covering. It had burnt right from the bottom, right up to the ceiling. When it got to the ceiling, it went off. That is part of the blessing. Part of the privilege, part of the honor of being close to God. His angel and camp around them that trusted him and he delivered them. The presence of God protect and seal us even in the day of trouble. Draw close to him. Come and walk in that light. I can give you testimonies upon testimonies of near such devastating experiences where God delivered our eyes from tears, our feet from falling. And brought us out cleanly and neatly. 20th of June 2002, four hired assassins came to my house with AK 47 rifles with my picture in their hand. They say, Is this you? I said, Yes. They say, Follow us or we kill everybody in the house. I said, Don't worry, we'll go now. Let's go. I followed them. I was with them in the car. The man looked at me in the leader. I said, You are strange. I said, I don't understand. He said, In Look, we have been in this business for six years. And anybody we capture, show them their picture, and we take them the way we are taking you, they begin to urinate and beg us. He says, you have not begged us. I was saying to myself, I can't be afraid of God, I'm afraid of you. When you fear God, the fear of God is pure, enduring forever. Anyone who fears witches, don't fear God. If you fear God, and you are close to God, the way the scripture recommend, you fear no fear of witches. The man said, we are going to kill you. That's what we are about to do. But you are not begging us. I was just moving my mouth like this. Then he said, what are you saying? He said, is that incantation? I said, no. He said, what is it? I said, scriptures. He said, what is scriptures? I said, the word of God. Ah, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a man of God. He said, man, we know God, we know which one is man of God. These people we have brought in from Benin Republic. They were paid 30,000 naira to go and kill a man of God. So when I say I'm man of God, I say, what was that man? I mean, I say, I'm pastor. The man shouted, yeah! Huh? I said, why is he shouting? He said, ah. He said, we can't do it again, no. I said, what happened? You see, why you are Walking in that light, he'll give you words that will completely dispower whoever power comes against you. They come against you one way, they flee seven ways. So he said, You are, you are what? I said, Pastor, I said, Ah! I said, What? He said, Before I started this business, I went to my father to pray for me. He said, My father prayed for me. I said, For what? He said, This business. <laughs> he said, And it has been prospering. He said, but my father made me to take an oath. 
He told me to put my hand under his thigh and to promise him that any day they ask to kill a pastor, say don't. Because the day you do that, you are dead. Because God will defend his pastor. But you know, it's not all pastors that God can defend, though. There are those who tell people to go out and eat grasses. Now, God did not, God will not defend that kind of a pastor. He said, so we cannot do it anymore. So one of the guys who was close to me shoved his gun inside my side and said, no, we can't stop. They have given us money. He said, what do you mean? This was the leader. I said, what do you mean? Didn't you hear what the man said? The man said, he's a pastor. You know, pastor work for God. He said, not police, oh, this police, this is not police. It's not police that will catch us. It's God that will catch us. Oh. He said, and God has his own police. I don't know where he got that from, but he, told, <laughs> he said, God has his own police. And so we cannot do this. And they started arguing, and they cocked the gun and faced each other. But peace prevailed. And the man looked at me and said, Whatever, whoever you are serving, please serve him well. He said, we are going to take you back to your house. <laughs> Glory be to God. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 19, evil will bow before good. The wicked at the gates of the righteous. Be not overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. The man said, we are going to take you back and drop you. And we are going to go and tell the people who gave us this job that if anything happened to you, we will come and wipe out their family. They turned on the street. They took me to the place where they had already dug a grave for themselves. They said, this is where we plan to put your body. I said, Tufiakwa. Numbers 23, 10. Say, let me die the death of the righteous. That is closeness to God. It preserves your life. So what we are offering you is not something that the light shone from heaven even before the incident happened. These people drove me back before I got back, my wife had gone to the commission of police because we are friends in the police. And the commission of police said, what did you say they did? How did they come? My wife described how they came. She said, ah! Say, by now your husband is dead. He said, we should just try and retrieve. He said, no, my wife, what cannot die like that? He said, my husband is close to God. He's not just someone you can walk in and pick him and go like that. He said, probably the robbers are dead now. Those who came for they are dead now. The political police say, well, you see, I've been at this job for 30-something years. And you are telling me now. With what I know, you are telling me I'm wrong. To cut the long story short, they took me back to my house, dropped me off. I came to church on Sunday. They said, go to church on Sunday and do big thanksgiving. And if you don't do it well, we are going to come back. We are going to send people to come and look at you. How you are doing the thanksgiving. So that day I wore a white, big flowing gown. And I said, for you to know how grateful I am, I expect some of you on Sunday, tent, where we are going to hold, for you to roll on the ground. In the last 10 years, God has helped you. This church, God brought this church here for you. I rolled on the ground. Later on, we knew the people who were responsible. We invited them to come to the police. The police says, they should come. They said, we are not coming. And nothing was done to them. Eventually, it was that man who died before me. At his burial, I was invited to speak. 
I quoted Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8. He that breaketh down the hedges. So I said this man here today, we thank God for him. But the plan was that I would die before him. But he has died before me. And I said you need to learn that except the Lord gives you strength over someone else, you are laboring in vain. Tonight, learn one lesson. If there was anything that kept me alive, my closeness to God. The presence of God made the difference. The right questions were asked, the right answers were given. Your closeness to God is not going to be something that God is asking you to do in vain. There's a lot to profit from it. Have I helped someone here tonight? Lift up your hand and bless God. Father, we want to thank you tonight for your loving kindness. We want to thank you for your tender mercies. We want to appreciate you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come and thank him. What a friend we have in Jesus. Take a song that talks about friendship with God. Take a song that talks about friendship with God. Whatever. Sing it to God from the depth of your heart. He is a tolerant friend. He makes more friend for us. He helps us when no one else is there. A friend is someone who walks in when everybody else walks out. A friend seeketh closer than a brother. To God in prayer. Oh, is we offer. and temptation Spirit is prompting me that some of us have bodies. We have issues. 
we are things that have bogged our lives and what is God is asking you to do tonight is just to lay it at the cross stop worrying about it I don't have a child I don't have a job I don't have a house I'm sick and tired of being sick we are going to sing that song one more time as we are singing it I wanted to walk to the front and drop it here drop that care drop that worry drop that anxiety drop that concern drop that pain drop that heartache drop that heart we drop it here we are just going to drop it I want us to give those who are next to us some time as we sing that song just come and bring it here and drop it Let's sing that song. What a friend again. Fire. Do to my Lord. Come on, go ahead. Lord, we have you. Be coming, be coming. Temptation. Let it come. Put it on him. God says in Psalm 62 verse 8 trust in the Lord at all times pour out your heart before him can you pour out your heart before him right now all of you have responded to this call pour out your heart tell him exactly what the issues are tell him what they are 
Tell him your pain. Tell him your hurt. Tell him your regrets. Tell him your fears. Tell him what you are having to wrestle with. Bad finances. Domestic abuse. Medical condition. Financial situation. Mental torture. Emotional distresses. Pour your heart to him. Just let him know. Say, Lord, I'm telling you everything. I want to leave it at the cross. I want to hand it over to you. You are my friend. You won't forsake me. Because of my need, you will not abandon me. Because of my pain, you will not depart from me. You will stay and stick with me through life. I have a problem that I've been battling with for years. Lord, here is it. I know you are my friend. I can tell you the way it is. You never use this against me. Talk to the Lord. This is going to be the terminal end of that situation. This is going to be the end of that issue. Remember how Hannah poured out her heart before him. And how Hannah said, If only you will give me a son, I'll give him to you all the days of his life. Talk to God. This is not about someone praying for you. Eli did not even pray for Hannah that day. He just made a holy decree. And that's what I'm going to do. I will put a stamp of approval of heaven upon your requests. I need a breakthrough. With reference to my social status, I need a breakthrough. With reference to my first son, I need a breakthrough. With reference to my relationship, I need a breakthrough. My career has got to a point, I need a breakthrough. My health has depreciated, I need a breakthrough. Lord, help me. Give us help, O oh Lord, from trouble. For vain is the help of man. I will lift up my eyes under the hills from whence cometh my help. My help coming from the Lord who maketh heaven and earth. He is your friend. A friend is someone we can be naked before without any shame. We tell friends how we feel. Jesus told the apostles how he felt. He said, my soul is sorrowful. Night to death. Talk to him. Ask him to help you. You have lost all courage and all ability to move on. Walk in the light. Light is shining upon your darkness. Light is shining on your darkness. Darkness may cover the whole earth and cross darkness the people. But there's going to be light in your dwelling. In your goshen, there shall be light.
holy decree by God is saying, let there be light. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to stand with you in faith. I want you to clench your fist as if to say you are holding hands with me. Because I'm in agreement with you. Just one of your hands. You are holding hands with me. I wish I can stand by everybody and hold your hands. That's the agreement. We agree. Precious Father, your word says if two of us on earth shall agree as touching anything that we shall ask, it shall be done for us by our Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. You know the uprising of your people? You know they are down sitting? You know their thoughts are far off. Like Jonah, out of the belly of that fish, out of the belly of their various challenges, they have cried to you. Lord from heaven, above, hear them like you had Jonah. Lord God, I pray tonight that by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you break every chain, you break every intimidation, you break every limitation, you break every wall of confinement, you break every shackle, and release your people from whatever it is they have put that they are hurt to you about. In the name of Jesus. The word of God says they looked up to him when their countenance were lightened. Psalm 34 verse 5 and they were not ashamed. Lord my prayer tonight is that these people have come to you and drawn close to you Lord. They are going back without shame. They are going back without defeat. They are going back without disappointment. They are going back victorious. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for a new day. Thank you for a new season. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you for divine turn around. In the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for testimonies. Thank you for special anniversary gifts. When people are doing the anniversary, you give gifts. Let the deliverance, the transformation, the healing, the cure, your intervention in all these lives be anniversary gifts to this church in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We go home joyfully and gladly. We go home in another direction. Go home duly aware that this is settled, that this is done, that this is performed in the name of Jesus. Thank you. We worship and praise you, O God. We magnify and exalt your name because you've heard us and answered us positively. 
in Jesus name we pray with thanksgiving the people say the people say stand on your feet and congratulate three people say congratulations We hope you were blessed by that teaching. For further inquiries, please visit our website, www.rccgppp.org. You can also check us on Facebook and on YouTube at rccgpppsk, on Instagram and Twitter at rccgppp. If you are within the city of Regina, Canada, you can join us in person at 1771 Bond Street, S4N, 1X7 for a refreshing time in God's presence.